0: Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful, sunshiny day. Thank you that we can be together to study and discuss the important topic of Sabbath school. Please, Lord, help it not just to be an interesting conversation and a warm discussion, but Lord, help it to be practical and applicable to our local situations, our local church families. Lord, we need Sabbath school by the power of your Holy Spirit to come alive again and be the heartbeat of the church please, Lord, help us to use what you've given us, not to reinvent the wheel, but to drive the car you've already built. Help us to know how to do that. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our Sabbath school is dying what we can do. I was debating calling this Sabbath school FAQ, like frequently asked questions. Um, I don't know exactly. We mentioned potpourri earlier, but this is not like the other ones. One topic, and we're going to f- follow it all the way through to the end. This is a A list of several different things that might touch on something you're thinking about or have questions about and it is by no means exhaustive let's be clear this is just stuff that came out of my head there's stuff that's in your head that I don't know yet I would love to save a little time we'll see how that goes For some conversation, and and so you can tell me some of the questions you might have or some of the experiences that are either positive or negative, but I do not want to open the floor to a rant session about how this is terrible and this is blah, 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 blah. But if you have a good idea, succinctly stated, or one particular question you'd like to see addressed, we can collect those so we can address them in further times. The mission program would be the first part of Sabbath school, okay? And it would be basically a quick welcome song and announcement, right? But, I mean, I, I mean prayer but the whole thing, like five minutes, okay? Everybody together, I would even advocate children come to this because I think it'd be great to start our worship bookends with starting together, then dividing, then coming back together. Um, Then you do your global mission, which would be your mission spotlight. So, for instance, if I were doing this program which actually I am tomorrow morning, (laughs) you're going to see there's going to be very brief, I'm not going to give a sermon, I'm going to give a brief introductory comment. The purpose we have here today is to give the gospel to the world and I am so happy to introduce, we have a missionary representative from the General Conference today to tell us about some things that are happening. you got to listen up, it's exciting. Here you go. I did that in 20 seconds. That kind of thing. But you start with, and then, uh, so if I said like, Amen, and then step away, this is Mission Spotlight. And just just go. You don't even have to say an introductory thing. Just go. But start with that global mission concept, okay? But then we want to transition to local testimonies or outreach reports um, from either the church right there where you have, you know, a Sabbath school class come up or tell what they're doing or one of those conferences. We have those videos too, all at michigansspm.org. If you go to resources, the first thing you'll see Our global mission spotlights, then local Michigan conference testimony videos. We call them grow testimonies, right? Because of the grow Michigan thing. And then we're going to have personal ministries training. Because if you notice, we're trying to grow, we're trying to have a funnel from global to local to personal. That mission is not just what they're doing out there or even what we're doing around here, but it's what I'm doing in my own life. So we want to leave with a challenge. In in light of all this missionary activity, God's calling you to be a missionary. And here are some resources, and you can write into the local training. Here's how you can start a conversation. Here's a glow track to distribute. Here's a way you can invite people, whatever. What can we do if our Sabbath school is dying? Number one, realize it's a spiritual problem. There isn't going to be a programming magic bullet that if you just put up this banner, if you just do this format, it's going to change the world. It's not going to do that. Okay? All of these tips that we've given are helpful, but the real issue is spiritual at the bottom line. Though other factors certainly need to be addressed, the primary cause of declining participation in the Sabbath school and the same for prayer meeting and outreach activities, business meetings, whatever you do, right, is a lack of spiritual commitment. Now, much of the methodology used to increase attendance in recent years have been borrowed from evangelical churches who have since renounced the method themselves because the increased attendance did not produce a corresponding increase in spirituality. Could you grow your Sabbath school, or your church in some other way that would actually bring in numbers. Sure. You can make it as worldly and entertaining. You can bring in donuts. You can, I mean, you can do all kinds of things. And this is what people tend to do, right? You just kind of up the entertainment value or the pizzazz. But those, even the people who did that now, are looking back and saying, you know what happened? We didn't grow them spiritually. We were just building a crowd, right? I'll let you read that, but we need to move on. Look at, uh, I'll go to straight to the great controversy here, because this is just, the one above is just a testimony from the Willow Creek Church founder about how it, his method didn't work. <laughs> anyway, Mrs. White tells us, many of the revivals of modern times have presented a marked contrast to those manifestations of divine grace, which in earlier days followed the labors of God's servants. It, it is true that a widespread interest is kindled. Many profess conversion, and there are large accessions to the church. Nevertheless the results are not such as to warrant the belief that there has been a corresponding increase of real spiritual life. The light which flames upon for a time soon dies out, flames up for a time soon dies out, leaving the darkness more dense than before. Popular revivals are too often carried by appeals to the imagination, by exciting the emotions, by gratifying the love for what is new and startling. Converts thus gained have little desire to listen to bible truth little interest in the testimony of prophets and apostles. Unless a religious service has something of a sensational character, it has no attractions for them. A message which appeals to unimpassioned reason awakens no response. The plain warnings of God's word related directly to their eternal interests are unheeded. That's what happens if you try to grow it just for the sake of getting numbers. Doing whatever it takes to bring people in. Yes, it'll work, but it won't work. Does that make sense? What you're truly trying to accomplish. So I would urge you as you go back to your local church, whether it's Sabbath school, prayer meeting, or the worship service, or anything that you do, please don't just rush out and try to do anything it takes to grab people in. Build a quality program that's built on the Word of God and it follows the counsel we've been given, and then prayerfully see how the Lord, and then do your due diligence to invite people to that, right, I'm saying, build it first well. Here's another thing we need to think about. Stop treating Sabbath school as an option. You've heard me kind of allude to this. The Sabbath school is a vital part of the life of the church. It provides a unique opportunity for the entire family of God to begin Sabbath morning on a solid Bible foundation with a laser-like mission focus, all in a warm fellowship format. <laughs> no other church program addresses these essential elements of the Christian life. This essence being, if you miss Sabbath school, you miss something. You missed a lot of things, right? Listen to this. Luke chapter 4. So he came to Nazareth. Who is this? He. Jesus where he had been brought up. Now that's an interesting phrase. I won't give you the whole sermon on this, but it doesn't just say his hometown or where he was from. It gives us something about that hometown that happened to him there. What happened to him there? He was brought up. Who did the upbringing? His parents, right? This is a nod to his parents' raising of him. Now, in that context, where he had been brought up, Next phrase, and as his custom was, why did Jesus go to church on the Sabbath day? Because that's what his custom was. The Bible tells us specifically, how did he get that custom built into his life? From his upbringing, right? There in Nazareth, his parents brought him up to have a custom that you go to church. How did Jesus' day at church go that was recorded in Luke chapter four? Was it happy? Did they invite him over for potluck and things? No. Were they warm and receptive and kind to him? Well, at first, till he started like you know presenting straight truth, right? And then what happened? Anybody remember? Yeah, they dragged him out. They didn't want to stone. They dragged him up to a cliff to throw him over the cliff. Now I have heard about some warm inhos- i mean, some inhospitable cold churches, right? But I have never heard a story where somebody got dragged out into the parking lot and they threatened to execute them, right? This is what happened to Jesus. If anyone had a reason. To say, I'm not going to that church, I'm, uh, I'm done with them. It'd be Jesus. But you know where he was the next Sabbath? Right there. In the synagogue. Why? Because it's what his custom was, the Bible tells us. You should go to Sabbath school and church, not because it's entertaining, not because it's warm and hospitable and blah, 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 blah. Now, it's good if it can be intensely interesting. It's nice if people can be hospitable and kind. But the reason you go is because it's the Sabbath day and it's a holy convocation and God says you'd be in church. Yeah. Does that make sense? Now watch this. Let's get even more politically incorrect. <laughs> Child guidance, page 530. Sister White tells us, fathers and mothers should make it a rule. Mercy. Amen. Rules for children. Who'd have thought? <laughs> that their children attend public worship on the Sabbath and should enforce the rule by their own example. Hmm. Child guidance is more like parent guidance, Right? <laughs> But have no, you ever recognized that a good example is the best enforcement? Okay. It is our duty to command our children, our household after us, as did Abraham. By example, as well as precept, we should impress upon them the importance of religious teaching. All, not just children or parents, but all who have taken the baptismal vow, have solemnly consecrated themselves to the service of God. They are under covenant obligation to place themselves and their children where they may obtain all possible incentives and encouragement in the Christian life, which is exactly the primary function of the Sabbath school program and then, of course, the worship service that follows. All of that Sabbath morning stuff that we do is supposed to give incentive and encouragement in the Christian life, and we are under covenant obligation to attend those things, okay? So if you don't learn it from Jesus, learn it from Ms. White, but I mean, we've got some pretty good sources on here that Sabbath school is not an option. Listen to this one. Counts on Sabbath School, work 169, It's a sad failing with many that they are always behind time on Sabbath morning. They are very particular about their own time. They cannot afford to lose an hour of that. But the Lord's time, the only day out of the seven that the Lord claims as His and requires us to devote to Him, quite a portion of this is squandered away by sleeping late in the morning. In this they are robbing God. It causes them to be behind in everything. It makes confusion in the family and finally results in the tardiness of the entire family at Sabbath school and perhaps at meeting. Now, why can we not rise early with the birds and offer praise and thanksgiving to God? Try it, brother and sisters. Now, I don't know. I just caught this, but what did he just call this tardiness? She just called this tardiness? Robbery of God, right? And what do you do? Get up and try it, brother and sisters. That's the same language from Malachi 3 about the tithes and offerings, right? It's robbery of God, but try me now in this, right? Give it a shot. It works, right? If you honor God with your time, he'll honor it just like you do with a tithe, right? If you give to him what is his, he'll honor it, right? Try it, brothers and sisters. Have your preparations all made the day before and come promptly to the Sabbath school and meeting and you will thereby not only benefit others, but you will reap rich blessings for yourselves, okay? And of course, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Let's break this text down for just a second. First of all, what does it mean to consider? Let us consider. What is that, another word for consider? Think about, ponder, mull over, you know. Let us think about whom? One another. Notice in the context of the quintessential attendance passage in the Bible, the reason we're attending is not for our own benefit. It said, let us consider whom? One One another. another. Our thoughts should be about others when we go to church. Okay, Let us consider one another for what purpose? In order to stir up love and good works. Now, I I like to use this illustration. I'm not going to ask how many of you like peanut butter. Everybody likes peanut butter. But I remember when I was a kid, they used to have the peanut butter section in the grocery store. You had multiple brands. Nowadays, you go to these mega marts and you have like a peanut butter aisle, right? But at the bottom line, it's still just peanut butter. You can put it in different sizes and jars and colors and this and that, but there's really only two kinds of peanut butter, and I don't mean crunchy and creamy. You know what I mean? I mean healthy and everything else. And when you go to that big grocery store, if they were to take every label off of those containers, every jar, every whatever thing, was clear sitting there, could you tell the difference between the healthy and the unhealthy? Yes, you can. You need to go grocery shopping, brother. Thank you, you do know, right? You can spot it a mile away because the good stuff has what? Separate, it's got an oil layer on the top, right? So let's say that I want to get that good healthy peanut butter. You take it home, you put it in a nice piece of wheat toast. By the way, I didn't have breakfast, so I'm getting hungry just talking about it. Nice pizza, hot, just right, not too crispy, not too soft toast, Woo-hoo. and you get hungry for that, and then you take a spoon, right, and you get some of that oil off the top, and you drizzle it on. Is that going to be good? No. I no. Guess for those that like it. No, 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 nobody likes that. stir it up a little. Okay, now what if you're saying, this oil is nasty, oh, get rid of that, pour it in the sink, and you just get some of that paste at the bottom and put it on. Would that be any good? No. No? no. It's amazing. You mix it up, and it's like manna. You separate it out and both parts are gross. But you take those two gross things and you mix them together. And when, by the way, when you put that knife or that spoon in when you first stir it up, is it, uh, is it easy or hard? It's hard. It's hard. You've got to lean into that thing, right? It's your morning exercise. It's good. But as the oil starts to mix with that concrete in the bottom, you know, all of a sudden it, it becomes smooth and textured. You put it on there. It's just nice. That stirring up is the exact same analogy the Apostle Paul is using for our local church families. Amen. How do you get love and good? Notice that the love and good works in any Christian life, any Christian body, should be latent. It should be in there somewhere, but it needs to be stirred up. Sometimes it settles down and drifts to the bottom and separates out into parts. You've got to stir it up. And what's the way you stir it up according to the Bible? Remember what it said, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. How? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And this gives me a lot of hope here when it says, as is the manner of some. That's present tense 2,000 years ago. People aren't skipping out of church because of you or me. People are skipping out of church and it's not because they're millennials or or next. Please, people are people. The issue is a sin problem. The issue is spiritual. And sometimes you being there will stir up love and good works in somebody else and you start to move the needle just by being in the room. By the way, I think we're having a good time in this seminar and I think it's a pretty decent thing. But if there are only two or three of you here, would it change the dynamic in the room right now? Absolutely. By having more, you may not even say have said a word at all today, but just being here changes the experience. It improves it for other people. You know it would be even better if 10 more people were here, right? You go into a room that holds 300 people and there's 12 people there, it sucks the life out of it. But if you get 200 people, through, you know what I'm saying? And it doesn't have to, same exact elements of the program, just being there changes. One of the issues with Sabbath school is discouraging. You walk in at 915, 30, whenever it's supposed to start, right? Nobody's there. You see some tumbleweed rolling, you know. And it sucks the life out of the room kills it before it even starts. Now, I've got it in the notes here. In the Michigan SSPM, our Sabbath School Personal Ministries Department, we have lots of exciting plans, resources, and initiatives in the development. But there's no website we can build. There's no training event we can host. No manual we can write that will do even a fraction for the life of your local churches you can do just by showing up to stuff. Right? You want to start moving the needle, stir up love and good works in your church? Go to Sabbath School on time, promptly. Be there at prayer meeting. Go to the board meeting. Go to the business meeting. Be part of the outreach. If anything happens, just be there. We don't have time for this little thing, but if you were to ask people, are you involved in your local church? Most people would come back and tell you what office or position they hold. Right? But let me tell you something. Involvement is seen first and foremost in just being around when stuff is happening. Okay? So, for instance, when people are interested in each other in a, you know, more than platonic way, You don't have to, uh, people notice, right? In this day and age, you have to post it on Facebook. We're in a relationship. We've known you've been in a relationship for six months. You know, you don't have to post it. We see, right? We know. You know, people found out stuff before the internet. Come on. But how do you know? You watch and it's like, you notice every time they're around, they're around too. And they kind of drift towards the same. They just always, you know, let me guess. He's sitting with her. Yep. And people start talking. They say things like, ooh. Looks like they're getting pretty involved. I don't care if you don't hold an office. I don't care if you hold some position. Being there demonstrates what you care about. In fact, I would take it up a notch even further. If you're only at things because it's your job to be there, then you're not really involved. You can hold six offices, but if you're only an elder on the platform on the Sabbath and when the days you're there and you check out and you don't come to prayer meeting because you're not in charge of prayer meeting, you don't come to Sabbath because you're not, then you're not really involved. You might hold an office, but you're not involved, right? I'll give this illustration. Now that I'm married, I roll over in the morning one day and I said, sweetie, how, how can I let you know that I love you? She's like, what do you mean? We have three babies, the jig is up. <laughs> you know? She's like, no, 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 how can, I, how can I keep that fire going? How can I tell you? She's like, well, I mean, you could start with that. Why don't you just say it? It's like, okay. And then I said, no, no, it's not enough. Like, how, how much should I say it? She's like, what? I said, every day? She's like, yes, every day. So, and then I said, no, that's not a, how many times each day? She's like, I don't know, like five? <laughs> and I said, good, all right, we shake on it, got it, okay. Next day I wake her up, good morning, I love you, 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 done. Yeah, I did everything you said to the letter, now you're turning on me. This is how people take church sometimes. I'll do exactly what I'm supposed to do and not one penny more. And they say, I'm involved. No, you're not. You might be assigned, but you're not involved. Stop treating Sabbath school like an option and show up. All right, lecture over. Let's go. Think like a visitor. It's all too easy to become so accustomed to the way things work in your local church that we forget how it all looks and sounds to a visitor. You know, I gave this illustration. I went to one of the churches I pastored uh, and I walked in and the first thing that struck me when I walked into the foyer is these people love plastic plants. <laughs> They're everywhere, <laughs> right? They're over in this corner. There's a fake tree over here. And I look around and it's a hodgepodge of like, you know, you'd have a fluorescent light over here and a, and a you know, uh, the other kind of light over there. You know, you have a warm blue, and I mean, a cold blue and a warm orange kind of light. Then you'd have like, uh, a painting that doesn't match this other thing and a quilt hanging on the wall and the painting I look, that's got a plaque is because someone died 27 years ago and there's still a plaque. That they, and you can't move it because that's in honor of the person. right? It, and it's just a, a hodgepodge of weird whatever. What does that televisor walk in? Got mismatched stuff, folding chairs over, you know. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Let's be honest. And, the, and we've gotten used to it. So we don't know. You know I think it was... I forget who was on the platform last week, said, you know, you walk into somebody, you walk in your own house, you don't know your own house smells. <laughs> you just get used to your own smell. Other people walk in, it's like, oh, you're cooking this, or you got a dog, don't you? <laughs> Some, but you don't, same thing with churches. We don't need to have good signage, because we know where the church is. We don't need to know to post the times, because we know what time it is. We're good. And the whole thing is built for just maintaining what we're accustomed to. Instead of thinking, how would someone with brand new eyes, brand new ears, walk into this place? What would their experience with the greeter be like? How would they even know to sign the guest book? Would someone offer them Bible studies? Would they say, can you come over and sit? We we don't think along those lines. We drift into settling down into what's a custom, right? So, for example, many churches divide up for for different adult classes after the superintendent's opening remarks with an announcement like, it's time to divide up for classes. Visitors don't know what classes are. They don't know where they are. They don't know what you're learning. They don't know what the uh, material, they don't know anything. And then people just, and it's even worse when you don't make an announcement and all of a sudden people just start standing up and moving away like, what's going on? Give clear instruction, right? And the list of things that need to be evaluated from a visitor's perspective is almost limitless. Church website, church sign, landscaping, parking lot and entryways, greeters, bulletins, restrooms, resource desk you name it, right? But we need to think, like, if someone were coming in here for the first time, we're trying to be appealing to people who don't know much about us, how would we make it flow and make it so winsome and so pleasant and so attractive that they would love this? And of course, that's not saying water down the message, preach the straight truth, right? But it doesn't have to be done in, like, you know, 1968 wood paneling all the time, you know what I'm saying? Can't we do something nicer for the Lord? I mean, yeah. Anyway, challenge yourself and your other local leaders to look at your church building and the programs that you run as if it were the first time you'd ever encountered them. What would be your very first impressions? What needed improvements stand out to you? All right, let's keep going. Read Councils on Sabbath School Work. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot, but is there anybody here who actually has read Councils on Sabbath School work? Excellent. Okay, a couple. It's a great compilation. It's a fantastic compilation. It contains basically everything she ever wrote about Sabbath School. Right? So about the programming, about the curriculum, about the timing, about the... All this stuff is in there, okay? Um, Just a couple of little snippets that I just found just to put in these notes, okay? But there's a hundred and some odd pages of this stuff, but... She says in page 16, There should be much pers- personal work done in the Sabbath school. The necessity of this kind of work is not recognized and appreciated as it should be. This is kind of going back to our member care format stuff from yesterday, right? From a heart filled with gratitude for the love of God, the teacher should labor tenderly and earnestly for the conversion of his scholars. The goal of the teacher is not, to convey, not just to convey information, is to bring people to repentance and conversion and deployment for the mission, right? Which is what we hear in page 151. The object of the Sabbath school should not be lost sight of in mechanical arrangements. So I know we've gone through this, all right, five minutes for this, five minutes, but if you lose sight of the big picture of where we're heading, that's a problem, right? Again, the object of the Sabbath school should not be lost sight of in mechanical arrangements, thus occupying time, which should be given to other important matters. Right? Well, we always do a song here, so we have to do that, and we always do Stop getting bogged down in the format and let it be a living, breathing, dynamic thing. Okay? We should ever be guarded against forms and ceremonies which will eclipse the real object for which we are laboring. There is danger of carrying system to such an extreme that the Sabbath school will become weariness, Then, uh, when, on the contrary, it should be a rest, a refreshment, and a blessing. So ironically, we're advocating that you have good structure, but don't become such a slave to the structure. I'm yes? Oh, I hadn't even started. Thank you. Thank you for your due diligence in that matter. I appreciate it. Here we go. I don't know where we're going, but there you go. <laughs> so anyway, there's a balance. We don't want just haphazard, aimless, pointlessness, Right? But we also don't want to be so defined that it becomes a militaristic march each week. So we want the structure to be a blessing to give us a simple, streamlined, straightforward program that each element can be a living thing itself and everything be a blessing. Right? There's a balance to strike in there and we want to be careful about that. Anyway, I'd say read councils on Sabbath school work. I'm sure at the ABC they've got a copy. And I'm guessing they didn't expect a whole group of people to go get a copy. So if you march on down there, you know, they might be surprised in a happy way. But anyway, how about this? And I don't know why people don't think about this more, but how about actually promote your Sabbath school? Talk it up. (laughs) Advertise a little bit. Invite people to it. Don't just hope and wish and pray and then stand in the corner like they never come around. Go get them. Bring them in. My point is, we got to get people there. Promote it. Actually make it a thing that we are proud of, that we want people, we challenge them to come out to, right? As Sabbath school attendance has dwindled, many churches have just accepted defeat and sought to channel everything worthwhile into the worship service because, well, that's the only thing people come to anymore. Stop it. Put the good stuff back in Sabbath school, and if they miss Sabbath school, they miss something. That's on them. I I don't know if I shared you, I I had the, as it works for attendance too, but uh, there was a, a teacher, uh, a professor at Southern when I was there, and he was a brilliant guy, former military guy, tough as nails. Um, it was probably good for my upper teenage you know, years to have that influence in my life. That's good. But he definitely was in charge of his classroom. He was the leader of these students. And he would discipline by consequences. And by that, I mean, he would, for instance, he wouldn't just take attendance At a certain time, like we're doing, oh, let's wait till the whole group is here and then I'll take attendance. No, he incentivized it. He said, you're going to be your own attendance checker and here's how it's going to work. Every day, there's going to be a five-point quiz that's a certain percentage of your grade. And I will hand them out at the door to anyone who's on time. But if you are even one second late, you don't get the quiz. I tested that theory accidentally one time. I came in just after the bell I was late, and he had those pile of quizzes in his hand, and he walked away. And I had to sit in my seat watching everybody else get points that I was losing. Every time they made a circle, and that's another point that I lost. It's another point that I lost. And I was so mad. I was like, this is so mean. Do you think I was going to change his mind? No. Do you know what I did next time? I can remember several times during that year that I took that class that I would panic and I would run. I was like half-dressed, disheveled, I got my books, bags flying, but I was going to make it to that class on time. Right? Because I know he wasn't coming over to meet me. I had to go meet him. Right? We need to change our posture about Sabbath school. Right? Have confidence. It's a good thing. Expect people to be there. Talk it up like it's a good thing. If they missed it, they missed something. That's on them. Right? But we need to change our posture a little bit. Um... Anyway, if we were to do the other thing, right, and always just, oh, people aren't going to come. I guess we'll just put it in the worship. Nobody comes to prayer meetings, so we'll have a bigger prayer time. Nobody's coming to Sabbath school. We'll do all the missionary features and everything in the worship service, right? By the way, you pile it all in the worship service, and they're like, why does the preacher preach so long? It's not his fault. It's we're not coming to church anymore. We want all the benefits. We want all the special features. We want to see all the baptisms, all the testimonies. We want all the special prayer things. We want all the announcements. We want everything in the worship service. We want a one-stop shop for church. Plus, I want to be able to be late to that, too, and still get all the benefit. Uh Uh-uh, uh Stop catering to that. Stop indulging this. But advertise. Make it good. Don't bend. But then tell people, this is great. Promote the thing. Promote Sabbath school during the worship service. Um... I think every time in the worship service, you should just say a word about Sabbath school was fantastic. We had this testimony this morning. Boy, wasn't it great to see that video and that baptism. How about that? Amen. People are like, what? Oh, you missed. That's too bad. Anyway, our opening hymn today, just move on. They got to come next week to see the next thing, right? But make it worth going to, right? And promote it, talk about it. Place attractive Sabbath school banners prominently in the church. Um, Like our little, if you want one of these, by the way, you can get one of those banners right there. It has Sabbath School Alive. All you have to go to is alive.adventist.org, and you can get your own Sabbath School banner. I think it was uh, like a hundred bucks, something like that. I don't know if you can order directly off that, or if you have to get the file and then send it to Hamblin here, Hope Publishing, you know, Hope Source Publishing in Michigan, but they'll print one up for you. But I think it's literally like a hundred bucks. But think about that: hundred bucks for now, you got a Sabbath School banner forever. It's nothing. It's pennies. For a whole congregation, okay, uh, and or you can design your own. I've thought about that. Why couldn't you? Um or it doesn't have to be a banner. It could be some sort of like even just a tabletop ad or something uh, printed up in the bulletin, right? That a little ad. But something that reminds people about the Sabbath school and say this quarter we're studying this thing and it's going to be fantastic. Uh, we're talking about family this quarter and, and all the different dynamics and changes in a family. Uh, next quarter talking about how to help those in need. That's a wonderful thing. And uh, the one before that, uh, before the one we had now was a Book of Revelation. That's a lot of excitement, right? So just talk about it. I think it a nice attractive banner or uh, you could make a little advertisement Promo videos that you show in the church service, you could do. Why don't you invite people? Oh, I think this is on the list, but whatever. Why couldn't each Sabbath school group make their own little personal invitation card, like a little business card? Have a picture of your Sabbath school group. Hi, where are you having this potluck and everything? And that way, when you talk to your friends, like, hey, I have a Bible study group. We meet on Saturday mornings. We'd love to have you come. Here, it's a little picture of us here. Invite people. For many, many, many people, it has never once crossed their mind to invite someone to Sabbath school. It seems like, oh, man, I wouldn't want to make it good and then promote it, right? Quality and then get your quantity. And, and honestly, recruit from within the own church family. I promise you, if you've got 200 people in your church books, you only have 50 of them or so coming to Sabbath school. That means there's 150 people out there who are already 7 day Adventists who aren't coming. Go win them. And they might have some friends and start to stir up love and good works, right? So you attend, get the next person to attend, start to... And so make a good program, invite them personally, make your little banners, publicize it, talk it up. And this is where you can talk to your pastor. Say, look, pastor, I know you've got a multiple church district and I totally understand that you can't be at Sabbath school. I get that. If your pastor can't be there, don't throw him guilt like, why aren't you ever here? The only... Because number one, that, that promotes this idea of pastor dependency. The only things that are good are the things that a pastor's at. So what if he's not there? You know, I, I love this department because it's Sabbath school which is, and, and personal ministries, both of which are almost, if not exclusively, lay run. Okay? But this is a thing that the lay people can take charge of and do a good work. and It's fantastic. But you can say, Pastor... Don't just ignore it. Just because you don't get to go doesn't mean that we don't want it promoted. So talk it up in the Sabbath. Put it in your sermon every now and then. Say, hey, Sabbath school, talk about the ministry of attendance, how important it is to come to these things. Make it a thing that you emphasize and people will listen to you and come, right? But if you get your pastor on board, get your leaders on board, get yourself there on time and start talking it up and promoting it more, develop some resources like banners and handouts and advertising, it'll grow, right? So don't worry about... I mean, I think people will come to Sabbath school. I think it can happen. How about this one? Resurrect the Sabbath school leadership team. The Sabbath school council, under the leadership of the Sabbath school superintendent, exists to keep the Sabbath school vibrant, relevant, and running like the well-oiled machine God intended it to be. Church members, especially those involved as Sabbath school leaders, should familiarize themselves with the function and structure of the Sabbath school leadership team as outlined in the Seventh-day Adventist Church manual, page 97 to 100. Just like the Councils on Sabbath School work, that's, which is inspired. I don't know if anybody's read the actual instruction about Sabbath School from the church manual, which again is not inspired, but it is informative, it is helpful, and it is agreed upon practices by the world church, right? Um, here's just a couple of, this is not everything, this is just a couple of snippets from there. The officers, teachers, and all Sabbath School members should cooperate with other departments in all outreach or missionary work as well as carrying on Sabbath school evangelism. Notice there, Sabbath school evangelism. What a fun term. But there's the expectation that our Sabbath schools are evangelistic, that they're doing outreach activities, okay? And then it lists a few examples. Some of these, until I had read the manual, I had never heard of in my life. Decision days. I still got to find out what that is. (laughs) But maybe it's a testing truth thing and you want to bring people to a, a real particular point. I don't know. Pastored Bible classes. Okay, that'd be like the visitor's class or the new believer's class, something like that. Community guest days. Fun. Vacation Bible schools. Now, we've all heard of that, right? And branch Sabbath schools, including neighborhood Bible clubs and story hours. Wouldn't it be fun if a a Sabbath school group adopted a neighborhood and said, we're going to do a story hour on Sabbath afternoons and just get the neighborhood kids around. I don't know if you can have a, a little outside place, pitch a tent or something like that, maybe have some watermelon out there and invite some people. Come and listen to a story. And you start, all of a sudden, you're telling Bible stories on Sabbath afternoon to neighborhood kids. How cool. And then, man, what is this thing about? You have some advertisement cards for your Sabbath school. You remember that's what Vacation Bible School was all supposed to be about? There's a reason it's under Sabbath school. And I don't, remember if it, I don't know if any of you are a, a classic Adventist enough <laughs> Classic is a nice word. Um, Vintage, I don't know where we go with it. But to remember when Vacation Bible School was... The goal of Vacation Bible School was to transition those people into the weekly Sabbath school. It's not just a one-off summer program that we do for a few days and this kind of... The goal is to take those people to develop interests and follow up and integrate them into... By the way, you don't have to be a Seventh-day Adventist to be a member of a Sabbath school. Now, church membership, holding office, making decisions, you know, living according, to, that's a commitment you've got to make, and you demonstrate it through baptism. It's a serious thing. But we need far more members. Of, I'd love to have some people who are not Adventists yet, but they have I hear this all the time, and I see pastors talking about it. Oh, we don't need to hold the standards so high. We need to just baptize them and then clean them up. Don't do that but they say they have to belong before they believe. It's like, well, okay, but you can belong to a part of the church family without being a member of the church, right? And the Sabbath school is this beautiful transition point from those out there who have no contact with the church and it have to go, a lot of times our mentality, you're non-Adventist or you were Adventist. Well, the Sabbath school is that beautiful bridge to help those non-Adventists integrate into the teachings and the lifestyle. And then they can say, you know what? I want to be a part of this family. I want to, this is my church now. I want it to be my church now. I don't want to be just a regular visitor. I want to be a member in good standing, right? So I think we should hold the membership standards very high, but open the door nice and wide for everyone else to come in. And the Sabbath school is the perfect vehicle for that kind of evangelistic outreach, okay? So anyway, if... Let's just ask this question. How many of you are in a local church that has an active Sabbath school council? A couple of you? Okay. Two or three, four? Good. Okay. Out of maybe 25, 30? <laughs> okay. It is what it is. But the reason <laughs> it's interesting because a lot of places they don't have deacons' meetings either, or if they do have them, they fill out a thing. How often do you have meetings? As needed. Which is translation for, I mean, you can translate that to mean we don't have meetings. Now, let's think about deacons before we get to Sabbath school. Why don't deacons have deacon meetings? Okay, so they only do emergency things. Or, or the things they do are so mundane and so routine that all you have to do is have the deacon scheduled. All right, you unlock the door, you set up the chair, you turn on the light, you collect the plate. You, know, you have those handful of things that you do. And this is your turn, your turn, your turn, your and you can do that for the year, right? You just post it on the bulletin board, here's your deacon schedule. Why do you have to have a meeting in the second quarter if you already, in January, know what you're going to be doing in October? Because there's no expectation of doing anything more than those most basic functions, so there's no purpose of having a meeting. Why doesn't the Sabbath School Council meet? Because we know exactly what Sabbath School is going to be like, there's nothing going to change, we're not doing anything active, we don't have to make any plans, so why have a meeting? But if we were like, all right, how are we going to get vacation Bible school and, fu- and get that and turn it into a branch Sabbath school or get the people into this? And if we're going to make sure that every group is doing a missionary and we've got to build a schedule so they're announcing it up front and we need to make sure our, this is taken care of. And If Sabbath school had all these moving parts, you'd need to have meetings to coordinate them and plan them and build a structure, right? If it was alive and breathing, you'd need a monthly meeting of the Sabbath school council. Get the teachers together. How's this going? Or a member care. Are we following up with... You know, if we do those three elements—you know, the mission, fo- uh, the mission focus, the foundation of the Bible study—and then the format, all of those things would, if we were doing them well, necessitate important conversation and laying plans and making corrective actions and raising funds, and there'd be a lot to talk about. But right now, we don't meet because there's nothing to talk about. Because it's because we know that Sabbath school next week is going to be basically the same thing as Sabbath school this week. And we just build a schedule. And that's it. No wonder nobody comes. Now, I think it's on them. They should show up anyway, right? As their custom is, right? But it's a little bit on us. We should make it worth showing up too, right? So, not entertaining, but intensely interesting. Go anyway if it stinks, but don't make it stink, right? Can we have both sides of these coins? Anyway, how about this one? The council is responsible for the successful operation of the entire Sabbath school through the superintendent. The council should be, meet regularly as needed. They should have just said monthly. <laughs> the council should ensure that program helps and materials, including the Sabbath school Bible study guides prepared by the general conference, are supplied in sufficient quantities. But we've gotten into that before. I think we talked about that here that there are many places in the world church who the church doesn't provide the Sabbath school really. You just buy your own, and all the mission stuff, I mean, all the offerings go to mission instead of just buying ourselves quarterlies. It'd be nice if we could handle that ourselves, but anyway. The secretary should complete the quarterly report on the appropriate form immediately after the last Sabbath of the quarter and mail it before the deadline to the conference Sabbath School and Person Ministries directors. Now, let's think about that. In the Michigan conference, there's 188, I believe it is, churches and companies. That means that every quarter, our office, Sabbath School and Person Ministries, should get, I hope in this day and age, an email, but, you know, maybe a snail mail letter that reports on how the Sabbath school is going. By the way, that are, with that information, we could tell the rest of the, the mission conference how things are going. We could generate ideas and hear where things are going well or where it's not. We can target our work, right? But right now, we often don't even take attendance. Then even if we do, what do we do with it? Why send it to the conference, right? It's just like, it's just completely parsley on the side of the plate, Coming to your point, which we have ample time for, the investment secretary promotes the investment plan for mission support in all Sabbath school divisions and keeps all members informed as the program progresses. Wouldn't it be neat if there were special investment? member investment? Right? You know, the kids are, are at least showing us up on that because they still collect their little labels. But investments is far more than labels. It is. People used to have investment gardens or investment projects or I'm going to sell this thing for investment. And they would designate something and then you could report on that and say like, look, the Lord blessed and I got 20% more than I thought and that 20% is going straight to the mission field. And I would encourage, what if every individual member or every class was doing an investment project and then they report on it and we could say, beyond just the giving for the regular what we have to, right? We've given these mission offerings and the investment project. That's still in there. Oh, it's still there. I thought... No, it's still there. Absolutely. This came from the 2015 manual. This is the most recent edition. You go to ABC and get a manual, it's there. Still there. Feel free to go for it. So, I mean, there's a lot of elements, and that's why the Sabbath School leadership team is important. What are we doing with our investment project? What about our outreach projects? How many teachers do we have in this one? Are we gaining attendance? Do we have an outreach program that's getting non-members? And we should get the interest coordinator in here. We've got six new people who aren't seven to evidence yet. Are they getting Bible studies yet? And what about our teachers? Are we doing teacher, teacher training, or are we just getting warm bodies to fill the... You know what I'm saying? If we started taking Sabbath School seriously and focused on each element, how can we make this part fantastic? We need to have some meetings. The reason we don't meet is because we don't expect to do anything. Anyway, let's full circle this thing and come back. We started with the idea that we need to realize it's a spiritual problem. And of course, every spiritual problem, every revival can only be expected to happen in response to prayer. Okay, Listen to this. We've probably heard this statement before. Selected Messages, Volume 1. A revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of all our needs. To seek this should be our first work. There must be earnest effort to obtain the blessing of the Lord, not because God is not willing to bestow his blessing upon us, but because we are unprepared to receive it. Our Heavenly Father is more willing to give us his Holy Spirit to them that ask than any earthly parent to give good gifts to their children. But it is our work by confession, humiliation, repentance, and earnest prayer to fulfill the conditions upon which God has promised to grant us his blessing. A revival need be expected only in answer to prayer. I would urge you, as you go back to your local churches, and even now, start praying for the revival and reformation of the Sabbath school program. Think about the individual members in your Sabbath school class. Think about the individual teachers in your Sabbath school departments. Think about the superintendents, the assistant superintendents, whatever the things are going on, and bring them to the Lord in prayer. Maybe one of the first items your Sabbath school council could do is spend a little time, and I'm not saying hours and hours and hours, but just focus prayer. Lord, you know our heart, we've been stirred, we've been convinced, we've been convicted, but we want to be converted. Change us, help us change, make us change. And go by name, bless this teacher, bless this one, bless this person who struggled, and start praying for the Sabbath school. And then get up off your knees and start laying plans to improve the Sabbath school, and then to promote the Sabbath school. And I'm telling you, Sabbath school can come alive. But it's only going to be by the Holy Spirit and by our earnest efforts in His strength. All right, and our time is up. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you so much for the privilege and the responsibility of being co-laborers with you in seeking the lost. Please, Lord, bless our Sabbath schools. Be with every leader, every superintendent, every teacher, every student in the Sabbath school program. Help it to be robust and help it to be living, not by some mere human scheming or shallow entertainment thing. But Lord, please help us to have a rich experience in the Holy Spirit. Let a revival come as a result of prayer. Let everything we do be high quality, not for our glory, but for yours. And Lord, help our Sabbath schools to be the heartbeat of the church that you designed them to be. So bless us to that end. And thank you in Jesus' name.